Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. This is a great day, a day that we look at some of the things that God has done for us and through us and in us over the last 20 years and then going forward into the next couple of years ahead of us. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But she shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. How many of you know that when you get the Holy Ghost, it's not the end, it's just the beginning? Just the beginning. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. This is what you do after you get the Holy Ghost. A lot of our services are focused on receiving the Holy Ghost. Today, the focus is after that. So how many of you got the Holy Ghost? Raise your hand real high. Beautiful. This is the service just for you. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. The Lord commands us to be witnesses in four different places. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the word of God? What a powerful direction and guide it is for our lives. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Um, I want to ask you three questions this morning. First of all, how many of you need one of these magazines? You were either not here two weeks ago, you did not get one, or you want one, you haven't picked one up today. We're going to be referring to this over the next 30 minutes. You do not have one of these magazines. Would you raise your hands real high, and the ushers are going to come. Now keep your hand up until you get one. Make sure that everybody gets one of uh, these magazines. After you get one of these magazines, you can put uh, your hand down. But if you'll just hold it up real high until you get one, I want to make sure that everybody has one of these. This is really important. And these cost us $5 a piece at Paragon Printers. So please don't just, you know, throw them under the pew or discard them in some way that's a waste of money. Please hang on to this. This really does lay out for you what our GO ministry is. GO stands for Generosity Opportunities. And it lays out all the different ministries that we support as a local church in those three areas that Brother Tyler was explaining on the video. Church ministries, community ministries, and then our global ministries. Go is a part of what we believe God has called us to do as a church. We believe it's part of our mandate. And so this explains to you what all we have done and uh, what our goals are for the future. So two weeks ago, we introduced this to you. We had these available. And uh, it was our All Nations Day when Brother Brian Abernathy was with us. And uh, everybody, I think, got one then. It looks like there's still some hands down here. Did everybody? Yeah, keep your hand up until you get one. Otherwise, they'll think you've already got one. All right, there's uh, looks like four down here, and it looks like everybody else is good. All right, just down the front here, it looks like we'll take care of it. All right, now, here's the next question. Boy, these ushers are buzzing around here like a, a beehive. This is beautiful. I love to see this. Amen. Here they come. All right, the next question is this. How many of you need one of these long envelopes with a card inside? Now, they should be in your bulletin. So if you have a bulletin, you can open up your bulletin. You'll have one of these long uh, cards with an envelope. If you don't have an envelope, raise your hand. If you don't have an envelope, raise your hand. 
and keep your hand up until they put one in your hand. Looks like some young people down here, down front. Boy, these young people, y'all don't get, y'all sneak in the back way, don't you? Y'all don't get all this goodies. All right, keep your hand up. Make sure everybody's got one of these envelopes. Looks like there's a few in the back back there. Brother Jenkins, way back there in the corner. And keep your hand up until you get one. There's one right back here. We want everybody, you should have two things. You should have one of these uh, generosity opportunity uh, magazines. And then you should have one of these long envelopes uh, with a card inside. All right? If you don't have one or the other, just keep your hand up. And the ushers will make sure that you get those. The third question I want to ask you is this. How many of you need a pen and you do not have a pen to write with? Raise your hand real high. All right. <laughs> These young people are very needy down here. They're very needy young people. <laughs> keep, your, <laughs> keep your hand up. If you need a ballpoint pen, you don't have one, raise your hand real high. We even have pens for you. Amen. Make sure. Now, when you get a pen, please do not write anything on the card yet. If you want to put your name on the top, you can do that. But please do not ask. I ask you not to put any numbers down uh, at this point. Just hold on to it until the end of the service. So if you have three things in your possession, you're ready to go. You have this magazine that says Go 2019, which is awesome too because it has the picture of when we were in Bangladesh and the witch that we found out later there was a witch doctor in the audience that was praying for thunderstorms to come over and to saturate the whole field so that nobody could get healed or get saved and these black clouds rolled in and we all went out front and put our hands up toward the sky and we started praying and the black clouds rolled away and a big massive rainbow came all over the top of the field a rainbow with no rain what a mighty God we serve. There's a picture of it right there on the front. So you should have three things. This magazine, you should have a card with an envelope, and you got a pen. Everybody that's got those three say, praise the Lord. Anybody that doesn't have one of those three say, I need an usher. <laughs> Looks like everybody's good. All right. So... What did Jesus mean from Acts 1.8 when he said, you're going to be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth? Well, first of all, understand that more than what these specific geographical locations represented, it was the principle. The first one was Jerusalem. He said, I want you to be a witness in Jerusalem. We see this as our immediate church. We are to be a witness to those that are in our immediate congregation. And so for us to be a witness to that, we do what we can. We have a benevolence fund. We help. We invest in our young people through quizzing and through uh, youth conferences like we just had at Youthquake a few weeks ago and all the different ministries that we have here for our own local body of believers. That's our Jerusalem. We're supposed to be a witness in Jerusalem. That's why we have revivals. That's why we have special speakers. That's why we believe in evangelism and all of these different things. It's because we want to be a witness in Jerusalem. But then the Lord said, I want you to be a witness in Judea. Judea was the surrounding community. We believe that we should invest in our surrounding community, which is why we invest in North American missions, helping churches get started in inner cities and rural areas. That's why we uh, invest heavily every week into Hands for Healing. 
Hands for Healing is a ministry where we feed uh, almost 1,500 people a week right here in our own local community. And uh, it's the group that helps in disaster relief work. This is why over the last two or three weeks there's been so much effort in the panhandle. And we've had uh, groups up there. And I was just at a board meeting in Ocala last week and they were thanking us and our team for coming up there and, and delivering all these truckloads of food. And we had one church tell us, you brought in a semi of 18 pallets full of food and water. We lined them all up in our life center and everybody in the little community that got hit, which was Blountstown, Florida, said everybody came to our church. We were able to not only recover as a local church, but we were able to be a witness to our community because of Hands for Healing. So what a great work Hands for Healing does. In not only our community, but in other communities as well. Disaster relief, support that we do through the medical clinic and the project on the hill in Haiti. So all of these different things that we do is a way that we are a witness in our Judea. Also candle lighters. We have a lot of different uh, pregnancy resources. We have a lot of different uh, venues in our local community that we work with. Candle lighters is a group where children have terminal diseases and we get them all Christmas presents and we, we try to give so that they can be a blessing to their families. Pregnancy Resources helps teens and girls that may have uh, pregnancy and not be able to care for the child. And we try to give them necessary um, teaching and necessary uh, resources so that they can bring a child to full term. These are all different ministries that we're able to reach out into our community. That's our Judea. That's what we believe the Lord was telling us. Be a witness in Jerusalem and Judea. The next thing was in all of Samaria. Now, Samaria is a way that we witness to people with special needs. Samaria is a place in, in the Old Testament, uh, even in the New Testament, whenever the Jews would walk to, you know, they didn't have cars, they didn't go like we do today. They, they would walk from one community to the next. They would go around Jerusalem, uh, Samaria. They wouldn't even go in Samaria because those people were not full Jews. They were, you know, half Jew, half Gentile. Or, and they never even got, they, people, they, they wouldn't even walk into the city limits. They go way around it. All those people in there are unclean. We can't. I love the fact that the Bible says the Lord said, I have must needs to go to Samaria. Went right into the middle of the city and sat down on the well. That's where the whole city congregated was at the well. And that's where he had that great conversation with that lady about Jacob's well and all that. And he said, you drink of this water, you're going to thirst again. But I've got waters for you. If you drink of them, you'll never thirst again. Hallelujah. So Samaria is where we reach out for people that have special needs. That's why we invested Tubelo Children's Mansion, which are children who have been abandoned by their families, their parents, their homes. Also, we invest in Lighthouse Ranch for Boy, Troubled uh, Male Teens. New, New Beginnings is a group that we just started working with in the last year, and it's a group that deals with adoption services for uh, families that want to adopt uh, babies or children, even internationally or domestically. They've placed over 800 children, babies, into forever families. Amen. And God has blessed that ministry, and we're part of that. And so we reach out to the prisons and all the different special needs areas. That is our Samaria. And then he said that you are to be a witness in all of the world. All of the world. So this is why we believe strongly in global missions, supporting 89 missionaries, new churches, Bible schools, orphanages, medical clinics, all the stuff we do. We give to all of these different areas because we believe 
it is an opportunity to not only fulfill a spiritual mandate, but we believe that it is an opportunity to be generous with the mission that God has called us to. I believe, as my friend Brother Benny DeMerchant said many times to me, that God has blessed America, not just so that we can be more comfortable than the rest of the world, but so that we can evangelize the world. And I'm thankful to be part of a church that has a world vision to say I am willing to sacrifice, to give, and to go, and to believe that God can make a difference in all the world. I don't want to embarrass him, but Brother Riley Martin was with me in Brazil. And one morning we were to meet with breakfast, Brother Daniel Borges, who was our interpreter. And we were to meet at breakfast. He said, I'm going to be a little late coming down. When he finally got down there, I said, were you praying all night? And he kind of sheepishly said, yeah. I said, you were praying all night? He said, yeah. He said, I got down the, 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 the map, the world map, the CIA world map of the 20 largest countries in the world that they're projecting population-wise, economically. And he said, I prayed all night over all 20 of those areas. I'm going to tell you something. If you get a vision for the world, if you can get a burden for the world to be saved, I've come to tell you today, you're never going to have to worry about problems in your own home and in your own life. If you get a vision that God loves everybody and he came and died for the whole world. 20 years ago, this week, when I became senior pastor of our church, I called Global Missions Department of the United Pentecostal Church International. I asked for an inventory of everyone that we were supporting on the foreign field. They get nervous about that because they think you're going to start uh, minimizing your support. That wasn't my intention. But I wanted to know who was still on the field and who had come off. I had a desire to go to the next level with our giving to missions, but I wanted to be efficient. I wanted to make sure we were getting the most bang for our buck, so to speak. So I wanted to make sure every dollar was properly invested. So we made some adjustments, and we cut loose some dormant missionaries that had been off the field for a couple of years, and we invested more in some highly active and successful mission programs. And we started doing that, and God started blessing. And then we started a building program. And we started, we bought this land over here and we had the plans drawn up to build this building that you're sitting in now. We weren't here yet, we were just still on the east end of Palm Bay Road. But when we bought this, we were able to secure a $2 million bridge loan so that we could build this. We didn't know how it was all going to work, but we just started building by faith. And uh, we didn't sell our other building. We didn't want to have to go meet in the Shriners or go meet at a bingo hall and have temporary service in some place. So we just kept having church where we were at, and we started building this. But then when we got close to the end, we didn't want to have two buildings. So we put the church on the market. Can you believe that the very first service that we had in this church was Y2K? It was New Year's Eve going from 99 into 2000 when everybody else thought the world was going to shut down. We were in here saying, thanks be to God. You're a God of miracles. Hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. Can you believe within 24 hours of us having our first service in this building, do you know that we sold, closed on our other church? And we were able to apply that here, and that was a great blessing. Now we're down to whatever it was, $1.5 million. But we still didn't know how we were going to make our payments from month to month. We, this was five times more than we had ever had as a monthly mortgage payment in our old building. Five times more 
I got to thinking, I'm going to destroy what my dad has spent his life trying to build. I was in law school at the time, and I thought, well, we'll just make it a large moot courtroom. That's the only thing I knew we could do with it if the church folded. We didn't know how we were going to make our mortgage payment. And then I'd get convicted for even feeling that way and doubting that God would make a way where there was no way. But we didn't know how we were going to make our payments. We didn't have the money. And every time, I mean, sometimes a day before the mortgage payment was due, somebody would come in. There was this one lady. We don't even know what her name is. We couldn't even get any information on her. She'd come in and she'd leave a check with Sister Richie and say, I just want to give this to the church. She wasn't even a member of our church. Then she'd walk back out of her car and she'd leave. Sister Richie would call me and she'd say, that lady came back by again. She dropped off a $10,000 check. I said, well, now we can pay the mortgage. We'd pay it the next day. I mean, sometimes it was the next. I'm going to tell you what, God can make a way where there seems to be no way. Gerald, the guy, I think it was South Trust Bank that gave us the loan to build this. He said, this don't make any sense on the books. The only reason I'm doing this is because I believe in you. And I said, well, I'm going to try my best, Gerald, not to fail. He said, now here's one bit of advice I want to give you, though. He said, a lot of the giving that you do as a church, like missions and all that, that's what we call, in the banking division, that's what we call discretionary giving. He said, now, if you're getting tight with your mortgage, you can't make your mortgage payment. He said, don't default on your church loan. He said, pay that no matter what. He said, if you've got to take from your discretionary giving, make sure that you don't default on your obligatory payments. So you can, and I thought, well, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I mean, you know, we love all of our missionaries, but bless them. God bless them. If we got to pay our mortgage, we're going to pay our mortgage. That was my thinking at the time, you know. And so I said, okay, yeah, that made perfect sense to me. But every month, we didn't have to do it. We kept on giving to missions. And, and we kept on making our monthly mortgage payments. Then it was July of 2000. Bishop Myers, you'll remember, he and I were up in Alaska at a missions conference. And we were there with Brother and Sister Eichert, who were missionaries to South Africa. And uh, it was just a small church. We were having a little missions conference there at Brother Churchill's church in the Kenai Peninsula. And they had asked us to speak. We were a part of that. And Brother and Sister Eichert spoke. While Brother Eichert was speaking about how God put a burden in his heart for South Africa, I felt the Lord speak to me and say, if you will give sacrificially, to global missions, you'll never have to worry about your church monthly mortgage payment. And uh, I said, well, that sounds great. I'm excited about that. I believe that. I'm going to do that. And uh, so I said that to my dad. I thought my dad would say, well, son, that sounds great, but we've got to make sure we make our bank payment. But you know what I told my dad? My dad said, you know what? The Lord put the same thing on my heart. Let's do it. So I said, okay. So we came back from Alaska, called up global missions again. They got where they didn't like to take my calls. But I called them up again. I said, this is Pastor Myers from Palm Bay, Florida. They said, yes, yes. What can we do to help you? I said, I just want you to know we're going to double our missions giving. Oh, now they love me up there. Oh, they just can't hardly wait. They stand in line to get my phone call. Where's Brother Myers? That's Brother Myers. Get Brother Myers on here. Put him on the conference call. And, and then from that time forward, man, we just started giving. We, we lost track of having to worry about our monthly mortgage payment. Somewhere about a year and a half later, we had tripled our giving to missions. We started building churches overseas, started taking people overseas. We started giving, investing overseas. And all of a sudden, about a year and a half later, we turned around and looked up. And we we're like, somehow God's helped us to make a mortgage payment. That lady that we don't even know who she is, an angel or what, she doesn't come in anymore. But we don't have to worry about the mortgage anymore. It just gets paid every month. Well, aren't you thankful for God? Is some things don't even make sense. You don't even know where it came from. You just say, I know that God has been good. I don't know how I made it through the last seven years, but here I am. I've not missed a meal. God has been good to me. So we said, let's pay off the church. Can you believe in six years it was paid for? 
A 30-year mortgage was paid for in six years. At the same time, we were giving, giving, giving like crazy to missions. And I realized that that's something that God wanted us to learn. That is, if you give sacrificially, the Lord will take care of your own immediate finances. But you know what's amazing, ladies and gentlemen? Even though God can teach you a lesson, you forget about it. I said, you forget about it. And so we were like, great, we're debt-free, now let's go forward. So we expanded, we knocked out those walls, we added 400 more seats, we built the Family Life Center, we had the Seventh-day Adventist Church over there under contract. Everything was going great again. And boom! The recession hit. The recession hit. I thought, oh my goodness. What are we going to do? How are we going to make the, How are we going to make it? What are we going to do? How are we going to get through all of this? People in our church were losing their homes. They were losing jobs. Everything was slowing down. It had been boom, 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 boom. Now all of a sudden it was bust, bust. Everything was, was halting and slowing down. In the middle of it all, the Lord put a thought in my heart. I want my people to be debt free. I said, Lord, I want them to be debt free too. He showed me that verse in Proverbs that the lender is the master and the borrower is a servant to the lender. He said, it's not my intention for the church to be a servant to anything on this earth. And I said, God, that is beautiful. You just take care of it and tell me how you do it. And we'll celebrate it when it's all over. Woo! Hallelujah! God's going to make us debt free. Boy, I was so excited. I knew God had spoken to me about it. I was so happy. And about three months later, I was getting ready to teach on a Sunday morning. I, my, I don't think my father was here because I was preparing for the Sunday morning adult Bible study. We didn't have the early service at the time. And uh, while I was preparing, this lady came up to me. And she said, uh, Pastor, can I have a word with you? I said, sure. She said, um, I just wanted you to know that I'm going to be giving a million dollars to the church. And I said, okay. I tried to stay very, you know, distinguished about it all. And inside, my heart was flip-flopping and flip-flopping and stuff. And she told me, she said, I got this and that, Disney stocks and blah, blah, blah. But she said, the bottom line is I'm going to have to give $3 million to church. I'm going to be giving a million to church down in South Florida and a million here. I'm going to give a million to this church. I believe in the work that you're doing. I'm committed to it. And I said, well, thank you, sister. That's going to be a great blessing. And I had that. I went up to teach the Sunday morning lesson on Sunday morning. And uh, I tried to, you know, get and then the Sunday morning service. And I think we had to have pledges for so I can't remember what we were taking up pledges for. But pledges went through there. And the whole time, I had that money spent before the service was over. I already had spent it. And I said, we're going to do that and pay that out. In my mind, I had all that going on, you know. I mean, I went ahead and went through the service. I didn't say anything publicly. But inside, I was processing it all. And, uh, and then after the service, uh, she came up to me and she said, Oh, she said, Pastor, do you remember what I told you before? The, how am I going to forget? She said, do you remember what I told you before the service by giving a million dollars? I said, yes. She said, you know what? I take all that back. The Lord changed my mind during the service. I was like, what, what did I do? <laughs> she said, instead, the Lord spoke to me, I'm going to give $2 million. I had the second million dollars spent before we got to the restaurant. Oh, 
Oh, I was so excited. I was, Lord, you're not only going to pay off, you're going to give us money to expand. We're going to do this. Oh, God, you're so good. I was so excited. I was jumping all around. She said, I got to do this move by money to this, that, and SunTrust, blah, blah, blah. Here's Sister Richie's number. She's going to call, and I'll probably have a check on Wednesday and all that. And everything was all said and done and all that. And I was, whoo! I went out with my dad. I was so happy. I was like, Dad, you won't believe this lady. She came. She's going to give $2 million to the church. She's got Sister Richie's number. She's going to bring the check on Wednesday, Thursday. She's got to move some money around this and that and sell Disney stocks. It's going to be too many. The Lord's going to bless the church. I got all through. I was so excited. My dad said, don't count on it. I said, what do you mean don't count on it? You're like killing my faith. This is a God thing. He said, that's not the way it works with churches. He said, God blesses people and faithful people that are hardworking people give faithfully and sacrificially. And that's how the church grows. And that's how the work of God goes. And it doesn't happen from one person. Yes, but don't you think God can do it through one person? He said, maybe, we'll see, but don't get your hopes up. I prayed against his advice for the next three days. I said, Lord, you see my father's doubt. Help him, God. Open his eyes to see the army that's out there on the other side like Syria. Wednesday came, no money. Thursday came, nothing. Friday, Saturday. Sunday morning, I was like, should I call her? I don't know. So finally, I called her Monday, Tuesday, and I said, you know, is there anything we need to do? You know, Sister Richie's here. She stands ready to go. You know, she's going to be at the office. She'll be here 24 hours a day if you need her to be here. <laughs> She'll just camp out here. Brother and Sister Richie will move into the church, whatever we got to. Oh, she said, I'm so sorry. I got to move this and that, blah, blah, blah. Next week, nothing. Next week, nothing, 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 nothing. Here we are, 2019. Not ever one dollar. So I had to go back to the Bible. Isn't that amazing how you go back to the Bible? I want to tell you something right now. You may not understand this, but many times in our life, God puts us in a position where He wants us to rely on Him. We don't like doing that. Because it's uncomfortable. But you will tell you something. If you're in a place right now where you're having to rely on God, it doesn't mean that God lost your zip code. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care about you. It doesn't mean that God's not giving you the job of your dreams because He's wanting you to sweat. It means that God is wanting you to know you can trust in Him. Every day you get up, thank you, Lord. You blessed me yesterday. You're going to bless me again. I'm not going to put my trust in man. I'm going to put my trust in God. He's the one. That's the Jehovah Jireh and the provider. Whoa, hallelujah. The Lord gave me that great verse in Acts. I shared it with you. But boy, it was so powerful to me. In Acts uh, 7 and 17, it says, But when the time of the promise drew nigh, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt. And God gave me a revelation. The promise he gave to Abraham that he would multiply their seed. You know, that was the promise he gave him. As the sand of the sea and as the stars of the sky, he was going to multiply their seed. That promise that he gave Abraham was fulfilled. In the 400 years that they were in captivity in Egypt. And God said to me, I don't need a positive economic environment to work in. I can work in an adverse environment and fulfill my word. In fact, I begin to believe and understand and see with my own eyes that God would prefer to work in an adverse environment. You know why? Because then uh, when the miracle comes through, it's not camouflaged. You'll know it was not you. It wasn't your education. It wasn't your intelligence. It wasn't your ingenuity. It was a God that 
is a God of miracles. Oh, I feel like celebrating in this house today. You ought to clap your hands and thank God that he can make a way when there seems to be no way. Whoa! Hallelujah! 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 I was so scared to death to present this to the church. It took me a year to get my courage up. We had over 25 families that were in foreclosure. People losing their jobs, their homes, recession. A lot of other ministries, churches shutting down. And here we're going to go into a capital stewardship campaign. Give above and beyond tithes and offerings to pay off the church debt. How am I going to present this to the church? I argued with myself. I argued with friends that advised me against it. Ultimately, I knew it was God, so we had to go forward with it. I presented it to this church. This church is so good. This is the best church in the whole country. What an awesome 20 years. In the midst of a recession, people didn't even know where they were going to be able to keep their own homes. They gave and sacrificed. And in the middle of all that, we begin to see God work. There was that thought again that came into my head. Things get really tight, we'll just borrow from missions again. And again the Lord rebuked me for that thought. He said, that's not my plan. Okay, well, we'll go full steam ahead. Can you believe that in the midst of a recession and in the midst of a capital stewardship campaign to be debt free? People started testifying saying they got their jobs back, they got their homes back, unbelievable miracles, judges awarding this and that, people getting raises on their job, everybody else on the job gets fired, they get a double salary. All of these miracles started happening over and over and over again. Can you believe that in the middle of that, we didn't throttle back in giving to missions, we began to give even more. We were taking people overseas, we were building two churches a year, we were giving, they awarded, they said, Y'all are the fourth highest giving church in all of America. We've got 4,500 churches in the United Pentecostal Church International in North America, and Palm Bay was the fourth highest giving church in the entire nation. And we were in a recession. Palm Bay was on the news as having more foreclosures per capita than any other city in America. And yet God just rolls up his sleeve and shows his mighty arm of power. Oh, I feel like preaching to this great church. You don't have anything to fear. I don't know what you may be going through, but my God is a faithful God. He's a faithful God. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. Thank you, Jesus. God started blessing and blessing, and now here we are, debt-free as a church. They wanted me to write. I wrote an article. They put it in all the national magazines. All because of your faithfulness, because of your sacrificial giving, and God showing himself. So here we are, debt-free. So we just keep giving the missions. We keep giving and going. And then I got back from Ghana on Tuesday. On Wednesday, I met with builders, architects, for what we're going to do here at First Pentecostal Church. This next year, after the first of the year, we're going to start construction. It's going to be an amazing thing. All new pews, all new carpet, 1,100 theater seats, all back there is all going to be stadium seating. The foyers are all double in size. We're taking all those canopies. They're all going to be under glass there and back here. All new tile on the back. Doing a total, 
total renovation of this church. It's going to be state-of-the-art. When it gets done, we'll have to sell tickets for people to come in here. I mean, it's going to be unbelievable. And I said, Lord, I'm so thankful. Thank you, God. You've blessed us beyond our wildest imaginations. But I'm not going into debt to do this. I knew I had this service today for you, and we were taking pledges for next year for our missions program. And again, for the third time, it's amazing how God has to keep teaching you the same lesson. For the third time, I felt that thought come into my head. Well, we can't go into debt. The builders gave me a bill on Thursday, and I looked at it and I went, <laughs> We're not building a new church. We're just renovating the church. <sighs> I don't even tell you how much it is. It will scare you to death. But we're not going into debt. If we have to add one seat at a time, we are not going into debt. So boxed in like that, I was like, well, maybe we can throttle back on our missions giving again. And boom, I felt God kick me again. Give me, he kicks me and gives me more verses. Now look at this. I've got to read these verses to you. Look at Malachi chapter 3. Do you guys know what the Septuagint is? You know that's the Greek version of the Old Testament. The Septuagint. When you read Matthew chapter 3 verse 7... The Septuagint doesn't use the word rob, it uses the word replace. So let's read Malachi 3.7. This is the latest thing God's given me. Malachi 3.7. Even from the days of your... Now, he's, this is being written to the Jews, Israel, what, what they've done. Even from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from mine ordinances, and you've not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you say, wherein shall we return? In other words, what have we done wrong? We haven't done anything wrong. We're, we haven't gone anywhere. We're still here. Wherein shall we return? Verse 8. Will a man replace God? Yet ye have replaced me. But you say, wherein have we replaced thee? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for ye have replaced me, even this whole nation. Bring you all the tithes in the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven, pour you on a blessing that you should not have room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast your fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts, and all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. I hope you can come back tonight, because I'm going to preach a message called the God of Restoration. Oh my, does God restore Oh, I get so excited thinking about it. I may preach it right now if I get too excited. The God of restoration. Just come here tonight. I won't preach it now. I'll preach it tonight. But when I went through that, I thought, replace, replace. How did we replace? Here's what I begin to realize. When we take what belongs to God and we replace it with purchasing something we want, even if it's like paying a bill, we're replacing God. We're putting our trust in man as opposed to God, even if it's a legitimate issue. Here's an example. I want to show you this. I did this in the first service. It seemed to make sense to them. We know that we're supposed to give of the first fruits, right? Everything we make, we're supposed to. It's not just you give 10%. You also give the first fruits. You give the first 10%, right? So let's say these are American U.S. $1 bills right here, okay? One, two. I'm just going to put them right out here so you can see it. Three, three, four, five. All right? Everybody see that? More people come to the altar maybe if we put money out here. We'll do some. So here's five $1 bills, right? So we know the first fruits belongs to God, right? Amen. Getting awful quiet in here. Maybe we got to teach this. 
<laughs> first fruits belongs to God. And we know the Bible says that when you give the first fruits to him, we pay tithes, 10% of our income, we give that to the Lord, then he blesses the rest of it, right? Isn't that right? Isn't that what the Bible says? All right. Here's what happens, though. We look at these five $1 bills, and then we look at our bills, which is much more than five $1 bills. So we take this, and we say, I better pay the mortgage with that. Then we take that, and we're like, I better pay the utilities with that. Then we take this, and we're like, I got to buy groceries, I got to eat. Then I take this, and I'm like, I got to pay for the kid's education. And then, if there's anything left, we think, oh, I better pay my tithes. Here's the problem. Once you pay your tithes, there's nothing left for God to bless. Do you know why it's hardest to give him the first fruits? Because this requires trust. Because this, oh, here's all my bills, and this still doesn't match that. So now I gotta trust that God's gonna multiply that to meet that. That's why it's hardest to give your first fruits. But if you say, God, I'm gonna live and die on the principles of your word, I'm gonna give and trust that you'll make up the difference. Then God can bless. Then God can multiply. I got to hurry. All right, does everybody have their envelopes and everything ready? All right, here's what we're going to do. This, and this is why the Lord had such a... This is why God had such a hard time, Utes, with the children of Israel worshiping idols. Because they were serving the God of replacement. This is a question, see, you and I have to ask. Are we serving the God of replacement or the God of reliance? Am I relying on God to meet my needs? Or am I just replacing? Children of Israel kept going to idols. You know why he, he took offense to that? Because they were gods to replace him. God doesn't want to be replaced. He wants you to trust his blessings, not your bank account. He wants you to trust for Him for salvation rather than your savings. There's so many things that happens that we replace God without even realizing it. Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, would you lift up your voice right now? Would you thank the Lord for that word? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
we put our trust in you, oh God. You are my strength and my song. You have been so good to us. You have been so good to us, Lord. Thank you for your blessings, Lord. Thank you for every good gift that cometh from the Father of lights. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Mm. Don't ever forget that giving is a spiritual thing. This world tries to make giving to churches and ministries as something that's evil. Don't ever forget that giving is a spiritual thing that's near and dear to the heart of God. There are three types of giving. There's obedient giving, which is tithes. We give because we obey God's word. There's abundant giving, where we give out of love and unselfishness like an offering. And then there's sacrificial giving, which is giving that requires faith. Giving that will alter our lifestyle. That's the kind of giving that we do for missions, for the Go Ministries. I'm asking you today you would step out in faith and if you would make a commitment of what you can do monthly in the year of 2019 that will require a sacrifice something that will alter your lifestyle commitments that we are talking about today are are not tithes and offerings it's not obedience it's not abundance sacrificial giving we can Commit to give in the year 2019 in such a way that will be a sacrifice. I promise you that one year from today, we will stand in a building totally renovated and without debt. And our missions giving will be stronger than it was this year. You will step out in faith. I commit to you that one year from now, we will step back and we will look and we will thank God 
Because every time you and I sacrifice, God honors it. Not to where it's a level playing field, with abundance, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It's the one point in the Bible where he said, prove me. And see if I won't open up the windows of heaven. These are commitments that we're making not for this local church, but it's for go. It's for ministries other than ourselves, because the Lord said, when you've done it unto the least of them, you've done it unto me. Now take your paper out, take your card out, take your pen out, and I want you to write down, by faith, by faith, what you want to give each month to go, generosity opportunities, church ministries, community ministries, and global ministries. And in just a minute, I'm going to have the ushers come down here. We're going we're to put these globes down here. And I want you to print, if you want mine, so we make sure that we've got your name clearly. You can just put it in that envelope. It's all going to be personal. Nobody sees this. You can seal the top of the envelope. Put it like this and seal it. And in just a moment, we're going to come down here. I'm going to stand down here, and I want to shake every single hand of every person that's making a commitment. Because I can't tell you over the last few years how many people have thanked us because of the sacrifices that this church makes. And I am so appreciative of people that give sacrificially. And some of this you may never know until you get to heaven. And people that you'll meet in heaven that were there because of your sacrifice. I want to personally thank you for it. I told Sister Lisa tomorrow, this morning, I sent her an email and I said, I can't get those words of that song, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. I can't seem to get that out of my head. And lean not unto thine own understanding, but in all of thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for this beautiful congregation of people. But Lord, you understand the limitations of our humanity. You know how we work. You created these brains and these bodies. You understand, God, how we're security conscious. I'm asking you, Lord, to give us courage today. I'm asking God through the anointing of the Holy Ghost, even as you have spoken to us in such a dramatic way. And I thank you for that, Lord. I'm asking you now, every family, every marriage, every home, I'm asking you, God, for there to be a spirit of faith that would come up inside of us. To say, God, I'm putting it all on the altar today. Lord, you take it and you multiply it for your purposes. Give us that courage, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody said amen. Would you write a number down right now? The ushers are going to come down and we're going to put these uh, globes down here. And I'm going to stand down here in the middle and the ushers are going to dismiss you by row. And I'm going to ask you to just come around row by row. And if you wouldn't mind just coming around and putting your commitment in in these uh, containers, I'm going to stand down here and come by and give me just a moment to shake your hand and thank you for your giving. And, um, and then you can return back to your seat. Uh, and as you're coming, we're going we're gonna to sing that song, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not into thine own understanding. But in all of thy ways, acknowledge him and he 
shall direct thy paths. I believe that's what the Lord's wanting us to do today. If we will trust in Him, He will direct our paths. God bless you as you make your commitment.